everyone. My name is Autumn. Thank you so much all for coming. Um, before we get started, I would like to introduce my dad. He's going to come up and start us with prayer. All right. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this afternoon, Lord, and uh, we just want to recognize your goodness. We are in awe of you, Lord. We thank you for this gathering. We thank you for the church. We thank you that the blood of your son has made us brothers and sisters, that we are one in you. And Father, I just pray for this time. I pray for all the workshops that are going on. I pray for the entire event the next few days, Lord, that you would protect us with your angels, um, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear, and that spirit, you, by the gospel, would change us. Father, I just pray right now for this workshop. I pray, Lord, that you would open our eyes for the need to be a voice in the darkness, proclaiming your truth, declaring your son. And I pray, Lord, in all that we do, we bring you glory and honor. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Again, well, my name is Autumn Lindsay. I am so honored to be here talking with you guys today. So thankful for this opportunity, and I'm very thankful for the shade that we have here. Can I get an amen? <laughs> All right, well, so I'm just going to tell you a little bit about myself. Um, I'm 16. Um, I'm pro-life, so I'm here to talk to you about what the pro-life generation is doing and what God is doing through the pro-life generation. Um, just to tell you a little bit about myself, I have six siblings, soon to be seven. We are adopting from China for the second time. Um, I compete in a speech and debate league. It's kind of what I do in my free time. Um, and I live in a little town up in Washington State. So I traveled quite a ways to get here to speak for you guys. Um, but again, I'm so happy to be here. Um, I've actually attended creation in the past, again, on the West Coast. And it's always been a blast. It's such a fun event to enjoy in the summer. Um, so back in February, I actually recorded a video, and it was a response to a teen article, uh, uh, article that they posted, um, and it was called, What to Get a Friend Post-Abortion. Um, so kind of this is how I got involved in the pro-life movement. I created this video, um, and then I partnered with Students for Life. They're one of the biggest youth um, pro-life organizations. Um, so I teamed with them. We posted the video. Um, and it actually ended up going a lot further than we had expected. It got a lot more views um, and a lot more publicity than we initially um, thought it would. The reason that I posted this video was because as a teen, I'm constantly seeing the way that pro-choice people and you know, art or magazines like Teen Vogue are pushing the pro-choice agenda to not only our generation, but the world as a whole. So as a teenager, I was reading this, and I was incredibly offended by the way that they were speaking about abortion, especially to young teen girls. Um, so this is just kind of what my motivation was in order to film the video. So really all it took was some passion, a video, and you know somebody to partner with, which in my case was Students for Life. Now with this video, I kind of braced for the backlash that was going to come. Um, again, anytime you speak out against what culture is trying to teach you, you're gonna get people that disagree with you. After I posted the video, I had countless Facebook messages telling me that I was brainwashed, I was white privileged, I was young, I didn't know what I was talking about, and I have no voice in our 
generation. But what you have to do is you have to push through, keep going. I try to ignore that and just, you know, keep the focus on the fact that I was doing this not for myself, not to gain publicity, but for all of those young girls and boys who are suffering because of abortion. Um, by the time I released my video in February, Teen Vogue, which is a fashion magazine, had promoted abortion over 60 times. A fashion magazine is targeting the youth of America and glamorizing abortion. Now, what I'm going to be talking about today, we have about 30 to 40 minutes, and what I'm going to answer the question is why, as Christians, we are pro-life. And this is really important, and another important thing to remember is that not just Christians should hold the position of bring, being pro-life, because pro-life is just the preservation of life, so it's not something that just Christians should stand up for. However, as Christians, we are called to be pro-life, so it's important to know what scripture says. So we're going to be talking um, about a few different things, but before we get into that, I think the reason it's so important for us, especially as young teenagers or even adults to know why we're pro-life is because so often Christians grow up with the label of pro-life without even realizing what that means. I know a woman who grew up in a Christian family. She was pro-life, uh, but once she got to college, she kind of lost that label and she didn't know what it meant. And she found herself driving to a Planned Parenthood one day completely lost because what happens is our culture confuses us you know, and it changes that message that abortion isn't bad, it's okay, and it's your plan B, and it's your way out. But we need to understand is that life is incredibly valuable, and that as Christians, we should do whatever we can to preserve life. So the first thing we're going to be talking about is why we are made in the image of God. Um, if we look, first Genesis um, 1, nine says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. We have a special place in creation. We are not animals. We are not plants. We are humans. Humans have the unique characteristic of being made in the image of God. So while we are not God, we are closer to God than any other creation. Because of this, every person who is made in the image of God should be treated with love, respect, and honor, born and preborn. Psalm 139, 13 through 14 says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We have our own fingerprints, our own DNA. We were knit together by God in our mother's wombs. And God has a purpose for each life he has uniquely created. So what this shows us is that all life is created with purpose when it is in the hands of God. So this is our second point. Life is created with purpose. Now what this means is there are no accidents. Ephesians 1.4 says, Even he who chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. God knew us and planned us before the foundations 
of the world. He gave us our own unique purpose on this earth that would bring him glory. We all have our own purpose, our own DNA, our own fingerprints, dreams, and smiles. To be human on this beautiful planet is a rare and beautiful gift. Who has never existed before and will never exist again. When we look at what abortion is, is it's taking the life of that individual, that unique human that will never exist, has never existed before and will never exist again. Now if we think about it, Jesus became human. He started out as a zygote, which is the smallest form of life. He then went from an embryo to a fetus, to a child, to a teen, to an adult to, who saved the world. But he, Jesus himself, started out as a person this big. When we look at this, we understand this, this idea of life. Life begins at conception. So whether that child is in the womb or outside of that womb, that child has a purpose and that life has a purpose because it was uniquely created by God. Now our, our third point we're going to be talking about is why life is a primary value that all other values stemmed from or are shaped by. God is the author of life. Therefore, life becomes a core value of Christianity. Now, it's important to understand that without the right to life, no other rights can be enjoyed. Abortion is a violation of the most fundamental human right, life. When people are in support of abortion, they're in support of taking that right of life away from that individual because they think that that individual is less important because it is not outside of the womb. What we need to understand is that as long as there is life, there is hope. Now, uh, like I said in the beginning, I have six siblings, to be, uh, soon to be seven. My seven-year-old sister, she was adopted from China. Her name is Haven Song. And we are soon to be adopting another child from China named Knox. And he's eight years old and hopefully will be here by the end of the year. Um, our family is not only very pro-life, but what includes in that is very pro adoption. Um, but what's important to remember is a lot of times people will use the argument that while somebody is in poverty and that's no value of life, they shouldn't have to be born into a world if they're going to be poor or they're not going to be well taken care of. But when we choose abortion, we take away the hope for change. As long as there is life, there is hope. My seven-year-old sister was abandoned under a street light at one day old. I think that is a prime example of when abortion would be an appropriate measure. But what's important to keep in mind is that she now is in the United States, has an iPad, has six siblings, and loves life. But, a lot of people would say that maybe she shouldn't have been born because she was born in China in a communist country and she was therefore left on the side of the street. Again, with my brother Knox. He's in an orphanage right now, but soon he's going to be brought 
to the United States because his mother chose to keep him. And now we get to enjoy him. Adoption is an amazing thing because it takes those children who may be in an unfair circumstance and God places them somewhere where they can have an enjoyable life. As long as we are preserving life, circumstances can change. Now, what I hear a lot, um, so I sometimes talk with people on college campuses just about their pro-choice stance, and what a lot of people say is, well, what about rape and incest? That's not fair, not only for the child, but for the woman. But why is it fair to punish that child for a sin that their father committed? Deuteronomy 24.16 says, Fathers shall not be put to death for their children, nor children be put to death for their fathers. A person should be put to death for their own sin. Now when we look at situations that involve rape or incest, this is one of the most traumatic things a woman could go through. And so for a lot of people, they think, well, why would she have to take care of that child on top of that? But abortion is one of the most invasive, traumatic things that a woman could go through. So without realizing it, oftentimes what people are doing is they're laying more pain, more trauma onto that woman. Whereas if we understood the value of life, no matter what it looks like, we would understand that rape and incest are not an exception for an abortion. As Christians, we should be preserving the right to all life. Every individual should have the same right to life, those preborn and those born. Now, the next thing I'd like to talk about is, you know, a little bit more about myself and why I'm pro-life and how this has played out in my life um, and the way that God has walked me through this pro-life movement. Um, however, before we get to that, I think it's important to understand you know, just kind of the real-life statistics about what women go through after they've had an abortion. Um, a five-year study in two Canadian provinces found significantly greater use of medical services among women with a history of abortion. Most significant was the finding that 25% of women who have had abortions made visits to a psychiatrist as compared to 3% of the controlled gap. Women who have had abortions are 81% more likely to experience subsequent mental health problems, according to a new study published by Britain's Royal College of Psychiatrists. The greatest increases were seen to suicidal behaviors and substance abuse. The meta-analysis examined and combined results of 22 studies published between 1995 and 2009 and included data on 877,000 women for, from six countries. All 22 studies revealed higher rates of mental health problems associated with abortion. Women who had abortions also had 59% increased risks for suicidal thoughts, 61% increased risks for mood disorders, 61% increased risk for social anxiety disorders, 261% increased risk for alcohol abuse, 
280% increased risk for any substance use disorder. I think deep down we all know that abortion is murder and murder is a tough thing to deal with for the rest of your life. But it's also important to remember that abortion follows you for a very long time. Planned Parenthood, I've heard stories of girls who go there and they tell you, well, this is your best option. You don't have the tools to have this baby. You aren't ready. You can't go to college and you can't do this on your own. So you have to have an abortion because it is the best option for you. But what people don't understand is that abortion comes at a price. Not only because of the life of that child, but also the health risk, the mental risks that follow you for life. These statistics show that abortion is not glamorous, as some people would like us to believe. Now, I have family members who have had their babies at 16. My aunt, for example, she got pregnant really young and had her child. She chose life and had her son when she was 16. A lot of people would say that she was not ready to have that child, and although she felt unprepared, she chose life and she decided to raise her child. Just a couple weeks ago, he graduated from Western University from college. His life is incredibly important. And just because his mother was young and was not fully prepared did not mean that his life had little value. I have another aunt who got pregnant at a very young age and she decided to have an abortion. But unfortunately, the trauma because of that abortion still follows her today. She has anxiety because of it, and she regrets it every day of her life. Abortion is something that you cannot go back on. It is a final decision and something many, many, many women regret later in their lives. So... Now that we know this information, and now that we know that as Christians we should be pro-life, the dilemma that comes is how do we speak out, especially as a 16-year-old girl? Now we, we are the pro-life generation. I truly believe that this will be the generation that sees the abolishment of abortion. So it's important to know how we, as teenagers, can get involved in the pro-life movement. Now, how many of you have friends who are pro-choice? Okay. How many of you have friends that are pro-life? Okay. How many of you would feel comfortable talking about the issue of, of abortion to either your pro-choice friends or even your pro-life friends that agree with you? Okay. There's a big majority in here that feels uncomfortable. It's for a good reason. Abortion is one of the hardest things to talk about. A lot of people believe, well, I think abortion is wrong, but I don't think I have the right to tell other people that they cannot have an abortion. Can you tell other people not to murder each other? What we need to understand is that abortion is wrong, and it is not something that we should tiptoe around. Christians have the tendency to kind of stick their head in the sand and ignore it. Because it's easier to just say, well, I'm pro-life, and I'm okay, I would never have an abortion, so that's, that's fine. But we need to understand is that as Christians, we should not only be pro-life,
but we should be talking about this issue. This is something that I talk about with my family at the dinner table, and this is something I'll talk about with my friends. It's really difficult, but it's something that is so crucial if we want to see the abolishment of abortion. So today I'm going to give you a couple of ways that you can get involved in the pro-life movement and a couple of ways that you can speak out about your pro-life beliefs. So first, I think one of the best ways to get involved is to start a Students for Life group. Now, how many of you are aware of what Students for Life is? Okay, so Students for Life is the largest youth pro-life organization. Their mission is to abolish abortion, and the way that they do that is they start groups across the United States. So I'm part of a um, Students for Life group. Um, and so what we do is it gives young people a resource to get out there and to speak and to talk to people. We have our group on our local community college and we have things like a human rights display where we will go out and we will ask people, when do you think human rights begin? And what it does is it leads to conversations. Now the, the thing you remember is that when you're talking about abortion to somebody, the point is not to try to win as many arguments as you can, stump them as many times as you can, and feel like you won the argument by the end. The point about talking about abortion with people is to win over hearts, to have meaningful conversations, to figure out what people believe, and challenge them on that in order to ask questions and figure out where they stand. Students for Life has been one of the best experiences of my life. Because as a teenager, I was pro-life and I really wanted to get involved. But the pro-life movement can feel very, very, very overwhelming. So what Students for Life does is it offers an outlet for teens. Now, if you guys have never heard of it, um, there possibly is a group near you and you can figure that out if you come visit us at the, students, or at the Rock for Life Students for Life booth back in the exhibit hall. Um, we can hook you up and we can figure out whether or not you have a group near you. Or if you want to start a group, if you're on a campus or you have a group of kids that are very pro-life and would love to share that message, you can start a Students for Life group and you can get involved. You can go to Planned Parenthood rallies and pray. You can go, out of you can go outside of abortion clinics and pray. You can go to your local community college and talk with people. So you can get the word out. God's truth, the pro-life movement. Now another really, really amazing way to get the pro-life message out is using social media. How many of you guys have Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, whatever? Most of us, right? Because we're teenagers. And even not teenagers have social media. This is a really awesome way. For example, the way that I got really involved was making that nine minute video. And it was just a response to an article that I saw that I was offended by. I was sick of seeing the pro-choice agenda pushed in our faces over and over again, especially by a fashion magazine. So what I did is I disagreed with something. I, made an, I wrote a speech. I filmed it. I got it out there. Now, I didn't do it for me. And this is important to remember is that when we're doing this, when we're fighting, we're not doing it to get our voices out there. None of this was because I wanted my face all over the place and I wanted millions of people to see my video. What I wanted is for other teen girls to see the video and know that they can make a difference. Whether it's posting articles that you see on Facebook, whether it's making videos that you post on YouTube or Instagram, whether it's about taking 
pictures of while you're at creation and using the hashtag, pro, we are the pro-life gen. Any way that you can get involved is incredibly important. So social media is a really, really amazing way. I would encourage you to go buy a pro-life t-shirt at the Rock for Life booth. Take a picture. I got this one there. I think it's pretty cool. They have some really awesome t-shirts over there. Um, take pictures. It also starts to a lot of great conversations. I have one t-shirt, and it's over there, and it says pro-life, pro-women. And it actually raises a lot of questions because a lot of times when people think of the pro-life movement, they think that, oh, you guys just care about babies. You don't care about women. You don't care about women's health. You just want to save the children, which we do. But the pro-life generation is also incredibly invested in the needs of women. Again, if we look at the statistics of what abortion does for a woman, it's not helping. The pro-life generation is pro-life, pro-woman. I get so many compliments on that shirt. And again, that's over in the exhibit hall um, at the Rock for Life booth. Now another way that we can not only get involved in the pro-life movement but also minister to women is through talking to people who have had abortions. Now what we need to understand is why scripture is very adamantly against abortion and very pro-life. It also offers grace to the women who have had abortions. Statistics show that one in three women have had an abortion. That means that there are women in this room that have had an abortion. In your life, you're going to come across people who struggle not only with regret and shame, but possibly anxiety that follows abortion. And as Christians, it is not our job to condemn. It is not our job to say, well, you made a mistake and God is mad at you, essentially. God offers grace and love and mercy to those women. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This means that even those women who maybe had an abortion in the past and regret it and feel like they can't look into God's face because they made a mistake and they aborted their child and they regret it, God offers grace. So when you're talking to somebody and they've had an abortion, you want to show that love. You want to offer that love that Jesus provides for them in response. Jesus came to rescue. May we be a part of this rescue mission. Abortion is one of the biggest issues in our generation today, millions of women suffer and millions of children are being aborted because women have the idea that it's their only option. So we need to be able to minister to people. We need to be available and we need to offer our support to those people who struggle. Now I've mentioned this in the, a little bit earlier, but again, uh, oftentimes a saying in the pro-life movement is that we are the pro-life generation. And this is extremely motivating to know that we could be the people to see the abolishment of abortion in the United States. But it's going to take people willing to speak out and to get involved in order to see that. 
So I would love for anyone here to feel encouraged to get out and to speak, to start a Students for Life group, to get a pro-life t-shirt, to talk to your friends about abortion. Because it is so important that we talk about it. Because we do not want to be the Christians that stick our head in the sand, turn the other cheek, and walk away. We want to be the people who speak out for what we believe and to make a change in this generation. Now, I have so much to share about this issue. And so if you guys would like to talk to me later, I will be at the Rock for Life booth later today, tomorrow, and then also Saturday. Um, I'll also be speaking on the main stage at 6.30. Um, and I'm basically going to be telling you guys a story then. How many of you guys have heard of Roe v. Wade? Okay. So Roe v. Wade was the um, abortion case that passed through the Supreme Court that legalized abortion in the United States in, in the United States in 1973. And the Roe, that's Jane Roe, she's the woman who was involved. So I'll be telling you her story um, and her journey through after the ruling. Um, and so I'd love it if you guys would come and listen to that. Again, that's at 6.30 on the main stage. Again, I have so much to share about this issue, so if you would like to come talk to me, I'd be more than happy to chat. I'll be over at the Rock for Life booth. Um, so we have a few more minutes. If there's any questions, either for me or about the pro-life movement, I'd love to answer them. I also have Michelle Hendrickson here. She is the regional coordinator for Students for Life um, around this area. Um, and then my dad's here. So if you guys have any questions, I'll be willing to take a few of those for the next few minutes. Anything? Yes. <laughs> Thank you. They did not. We actually asked them. So Students for Life was very adamant about, so what, did, what are you going to say? And I think they probably did that on purpose to not respond because the interesting thing about this is after I released the video, there were hundreds of comments and I was reading through them and they weren't all pro-life people. A lot of pro-choice people agreed that the fact that Teen Vogue, A, had no right to publish the article and two, that no one should be talking about abortion like that. Just to give you a brief overview, the article talked about, you know, glamorizing abortion. After your friends had an abortion, here's some fun gifts that you can give her because abortion's no big deal and you should support her no matter what. Um, but again, to answer your question, they never, I never heard from them. Yeah. Any other questions? Yes. Yes, just to clarify, thank you. Yeah, 6.30 main stage tonight. I'll be over there. All right. Is there any other questions? Okay, if you can yell, I might be able to hear you. <laughs> I unfortunately can't hear you. Okay. Maybe we can have like a translator. She yells it, the next person yells it. <laughs> okay. So are you saying for those women that really don't have any other option... Okay, so what you're saying is that women may find ways to have an abortion even if it's illegal, so you need to provide for those. So what's important to keep in mind 
um, is that, you know, you're talking about Planned Parenthood, about how they provide for women, for those who really don't have any other option. Now, for women who feel like they don't have any other options, there are options. So whether it's adoption, whether if they really cannot keep the child, adoption is a really great um, option for them, um, as well as hopefully that they have support. So is there a question that we need to keep abortion legal for those women who do really need it? So they would choose abortion over adoption is what you're Right, so with this, yeah, so even women who have the option to adopt. Um, see, the problem with this is, is that if we keep abortion legal, not only is it promoting abortion, but it allows women to have an abortion. And as Christians, we understand that abortion is wrong and so therefore should be illegal. Um, for those women who do feel like they either don't have any op other options or they don't want to use their other options, um, we don't have to, like, as Christians, we don't want to support them in saying, well, if you really don't want to, you should have an abortion, um, you know, because we are very gen uh, strongly against that, because we, if we are pro-life, um, we want to avoid just kind of leaving that safety valve for women who really, really want an abortion, um, because there are so many other options, um, but as pro-life, it'd be a very, very big step in the right direction if we were to legalize abortion. And unfortunately, there may be women who still fi wa find ways around that, but it's not changing the fact that abortion would still be illegal. Does that kind of answer your question? Okay. Yeah. Right. So the thing with this is, you know, in a medical procedure, they have to treat those people as individuals. So when you're talking about the women, if the woman's life is in danger, you can't necessarily just kill the child because of that because it isn't if we truly believe that that baby inside the womb is an individual what that's doing is just killing one person you know so a doctor would treat those as separate patients um, but again there are really difficult situations that come with the idea of abortion um, but for that in a medical procedure you know a doctor would treat those separately but some people would you know just say that if they're treated separately, then whatever they can do to save the mother. Um, but abortion shouldn't be an option, you know, because it's separate. So they should treat the woman as best as they can, try to preserve her life um, while still treating those as separate patients. Yeah. Okay, do we have any other questions? I did want to get a video of you all, so I'll take a couple more, and then we can do a video and post it on the Students for Life Snapchat. If you guys want to follow them, it's just Students for Life on Snapchat, and they do little... myself. So I grew up in a pro-life family, um, but I would say honestly the past couple of years is really when I got more involved, understood really what the pro-life generation and the pro-life movement was doing um, and what really incorporated into that. So for me it's just been really the past couple of years, but I really hope to continue this trail of encouraging young people. Um, but yeah, I'm so happy to see guys here because so often they feel like they don't have a place to speak, which is untrue. So just keep in mind, I'm so happy to see all the young men here, all the dads here, because we need your support too. This isn't just a movement for women. That's false. I love seeing all your guys' faces here. Okay, so I would love to take a video and post it on the Students for Life Snapchat. If we all, I'll kind of like turn around, do a little video. If we could all yell, we are the pro-life generation. Do you think we can handle that? You want to practice? One, two, three. We are the pro-life generation. How do we? We need a beat, right? There we go. Let's try that. Okay, ready? One, two, three. 
We are the pro-life generation. Awesome. Okay, I'll get this set up. This will be good. Okay. And again, this will be on the Students for Life Snapchat. Yeah, so you guys can come see this. Yeah, really yell. This will be good. Okay. I'll start over here.